Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this international edition of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name is Tom Harris, and I'm delighted to be joined once again by Paco Pollitt to discuss the upcoming Nations League schedule for Luis Enrique's Spain squad. Before we have some very special guests joining us in part two to analyse the upcoming opponents, Switzerland and Portugal. So Paco, very exciting episode in store today. How are you feeling and are you looking forward to seeing what the national team have in store for us this week ahead of an early World Cup? Yeah, definitely, because I believe it's the the last chance to actually watch this team uh, performing and playing without the actual pressure of a title being on the line. Um, I think that the the whole concept of this Nations League has surely improved all of these 15-day breaks for the for the national teams uh, because the the level and and the drive of the players has uh, increased quite a lot, both with their national squads. And later, with their teams in the in the home competitions, everyone wants to have the the chance to shine in these international windows, and that's why uh, surely Spain's uh, two upcoming games are going to be very very interesting to watch. Uh, yeah, very exciting indeed. I mean, you know, before we delve into mm. Luis Enrique's selection choices and our thoughts ahead of these friendlies, um, remember that we have a fresh newsletter out this morning on our Substack. So that's LaLigaLowdown.substack.com. Um, where we provide free La Liga news and reaction emailed to your inbox every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. So that's laligalowdown.substack.com. I remember to stick around for part two because we'll have Craig King of Football Swiss EN and Zach Lowy, co-creator of Breaking the Lies, to preview the two games. So Paco, as always, we had plenty of reaction to Luis Enrique's squad announcement last Friday. I mean, this time he was he was riding a bike on the course mm. of the Spain. It's, it's actually one of his favourite activities. He he's uh, a big fan of of cycling and and he often enjoys uh, with uh, long tours with his bike in in Asturias in his hometown in, in Gijón. So uh, you know overall, uh, I, I think it's one of those um, squad revelations which makes actually the most sense uh, in the last few years because remember he's done all kinds of reveals with uh, you know with computer games with. Uh, uh, cardboards inside the locker room, outside the locker room, inside the the training ground, and and this one was what actually quite amusing because everyone knows that Luis Enrique enjoys um, cycling quite a lot. Yeah, I mean it was great to see his personality really, and obviously he was talking to uh, the coaching kind of cyclist who was alongside him. Um, I mean I don't know if you've seen um, in Marca, but they put together an eleven of players not included in the mm. this um, this for these two games. Obviously, a very strong squad with the likes of Iago Aspas, Sergio Canales, Ansu Fati, Thiago, all missing out. Uh, I wanted to start with the goalkeepers, though, because obviously David De Gea has not made the squad again. 
Um, the three goalkeepers Enrique has gone with Unai Simon. What about Sanchez and David Raya? So I was just wondering, Paco, if you, if you agree with this call. And out of those three goalkeepers, who do you think will be the man between the sticks to start this game against Switzerland on Saturday? Well, obviously, we have uh, gotten to a point where everyone knows that Luis Enrique has his own um, favorite players or player that he favors the most and others who just he doesn't really see fitting in his his uh, squad to this point. And, and, and I believe uh, with the goalkeepers, most of the debate has been slowly dying down, even though David De Gea's form has been quite good in the last few seasons. Um, Luis Enrique's keeper is Unai Simon, and I, I believe he's going to keep him under the sticks for as long as he as he's uh, capable of. Because if, Un if Unai Simon is in form, and he is actually this season for Atletico Bilbao, uh, a team who, we, who are nowadays fighting for European spots, the, the start of the season in the first six games has been uh, quite good for, for Valverde's men. I believe that uh, Luis Enrique will... will deliver the the um, trust on on Unai Simon unfortunately for for David De Gea so at the, at this point I don't see him changing or switching keepers because he's a, a man of of deep uh convictions and he has already shown that in the past yeah for sure I mean one of the interesting things about Luis Enrique is that he does like to switch up and invite players who perhaps we weren't expecting but he does seem to have that core of players which he likes which fit his system and he doesn't necessarily go to players you know who are in form and we'll come on to Iago Aspas a bit later but I mean looking at the left back and you know Jordi Alba seems to be the main pick again in this position obviously he's been dropped from the Barcelona squad um, but he makes it into this international uh, side ahead of Alejandro Valle and uh, Marcos Alonso so what, what does Jordi Alba bring to this team, do you think, Paco, which Luis Enrique really likes? I believe that even though they had some sort of fallout uh, a couple of years ago, I think that Luis Enrique believes that um, Jordi Alba can bring in a much-needed uh, level of experience in uh, high-level tournaments. Because remember that back in the day, he was already playing for Spain in 2012 when they won the last edition of the uh, Euro 2012. Um, and later he, he has played most of the big tournaments for the for the national team. Whereas nowadays, most of the squad are super young players. We're talking about 20, 21, 22 year olds. Some of them are a bit uh, more, you know, on the veteran side, like uh, Atilicueta, possibly Jose Luis Gaya, who is going to be, in my view, the, the main contender for for uh, being the starter in the, in the left back position. But most of them are very young. And, and that's why if you leave aside Busquets, uh, Jordi Alba, Atilicueta, most of them, Coque, obviously, most of them are, are um, you know, just kids. And that's why I think that Luis Enrique wants to bring in a couple of players who already have that experience in order to balance, balance things out a bit whenever you are going to face like heavyweights in the, in the upcoming World Cup. Yeah, and obviously one of those heavyweights is Portugal, really, who they will be facing uh, next Tuesday. Potentially a very important game. If Spain do beat Switzerland and if Portugal do beat the Czech Republic, that could be a bit of a shootout, really, for that final spot to qualify for the Nations League finals. So we're talking about this mix of young and old. We're talking about Jose Luis Gaia, Valencia, and we've got Hugo Guillamon, who's been called up to this mm -hmm. uh, squad. And we were talking about him on the last podcast. Lots of praise for his start to the season. 
do you think there's obviously there's a lot of competition in that area of the pitch you've got Sergio Busquets Rodrigo you know players like that does Hugo Guillermo get a chance do you think well, actually, he's uh, quite high on most of the rankings in the in the home competition. Uh, for example, in in passing the ball around, in in number of of accurate passing, um, in assists, he has three already in only six games. But uh, at the same time, you know, there's there's some kind of imbalance between the role that uh, Genaro Gattuso has decided for Guillamón. Uh, if you compare it to what Luis Enrique actually expects from the player, uh, Gattuso is, uh, you know, 100% convinced that Guillamón has to play as a, as a pivot in the midfield, as a number six, a defensive midfielder, able to also uh, pass the ball around and, and start uh, every single play in the same way as back in the day, Sergio Busquets uh, had that same role in Barca. Whereas for Luis Enrique is counting on uh, Guillamón's uh, abilities as a uh, centre-back because he's already played in that in that position for most of his career in the in the national squad on the in the under 21s in the under 19s uh, back in the day in the under 17s when when he also played a uh, um uh, world cup and uh, he finished i believe uh, second place to england i think it was four years ago and that's why uh, i think that that duality might play against guillamon's chances of of starting in the in the lineup. I think that he will have his chances, okay, uh, during the next few months. Um, if not in this couple of games upcoming, uh, I think in the World Cup, you know, you have to shake things up if they go south uh, at some point. And that's why I think Iyamon brings that balance to every single squad. Whenever you have him in, in the pitch, he has like ice cold nerves in order to uh, make risky passes. Uh, and make them uh, effectively and accurately. And that's why having some sort of replacement to what Sergio Busquets brings to the table is a, a great idea on Luis Enrique's behalf. Because at the same time, and that's something which is not uh, exclusive to Guillamón, but to other players in, in his lineup, he's uh, very versatile. And that's what Luis Enrique wants. He, ha he wants and favors players who are able to play in a couple of positions because you never know what is going to happen in any single game, any contingency you have to face, any problem, a player being sent off, uh, injuries. And that's why having many options on top of the, of the table, it's what the Asturian uh, national team coach really wants. Yeah, fantastic player. Really, you know, fascinated to see his development, not only at Valencia, but if he can step up and you know, alongside Pedri and Gavi, perhaps in the future to lead that Spanish midfield. I mean, looking at this particular squad again, you know, the most controversial picks seem to be up front. Nico mm. Williams has been um, given his first ever crack at the Spanish national team, as has Borja Iglesias. We were talking about him again on the last podcast and how well he has started the season. Um, but, you know, the, the glaring omission seems to be Iago Aspas and, you know, five goals and an assist in his opening six games. Um, 20 or more goal contributions in four of the last five seasons. What does Iago Aspas have to do, Paco, to get into this squad? Or do you just think it's a case of Luis Enrique just not quite fancying him as a player to fit into his system? I believe that um, if fans haven't already realised that we're not talking about uh, football merits in this case, uh, possibly it's too late for them to, to fully understand what is going on, you know. Um, but most of the fans do know what is happening. Uh, Iago Aspas is an excellent player and he's possibly one of the best 
in in La Liga, and he obviously is, is the MVP for for Celta. But at the same time, um, he's a player which makes the full team gravitate around him. I would say, as we often say in Spanish, el equipo juega para él. The whole team plays for him. Uh, tries to find him on the free spot. Tries to you know make things happen the way that he's able to shine the most. And in in that uh, sense or in that path, both Celta and Aspas get benefited from it. Whereas Luis Enrique decided a long time ago that his play style for, for Spain wasn't going to hinge on a single player. He was always going to try to make it as as choral, as, as collective as possible. And that's why it isn't the case of Yago Aspas being, uh, you know, a toxic player. No, that's not the case, obviously. It's just a matter of play styles and, um, you know, fundamental decisions from the coach. So you ask Tom, what does Yago Aspas has, have to do to go uh, with Luis Enrique to a big tournament like the World Cup? I think it's not a matter uh, in his hands at this point. I think that uh, he would have to change his full play style play style, the, the play style who, which made Iago Aspas the player he is for the last 15 years as a pro and that is not going to happen so unfortunately for, for Aspas I'm, by the way, I'm not on Luis Enrique's uh, boat in, in this decision, I would surely take Iago Aspas with me because he can be the, you know the key opening a single impossible lock in any single game and that could make the difference between silverware and coming second Okay, but Luis Enrique knows or surely believes he knows what he's doing. And that's why he's sacrificing to some extent the quality which Diago Aspas would bring and also the experience and uh, the veteran side of things that he would bring to this team in exchange for having like a full-fledged, super-gelled, uh, coherent squad where everyone knows exactly what they are doing and they and that they have to play for the team, not the team playing for them. Luis Enrique actually in his press conference, his his quote was a team is not formed of the best eleven players from La Liga, the one who scores the most goals. There you go. Leave the context and in the national team, I want a team. So very much along the lines of what you were saying. But yeah, I mean for me, obviously Iago Aspas, as you were saying, some of the goals he scored this season have just been, yeah, he's done it all himself. And you think maybe mm. on the bench if Spain is struggling at some time, he could be a useful option if uh, Luis Tonique doesn't see him as a starting striker. But nonetheless, I think it'd be really interesting to see Borja Iglesias. I think he's worked really hard for his yeah. spot. I wouldn't say the opposite to Iago Aspas, but you could see the struggle, you know, as as the kids say, the struggle was real for, for many, many years in Borja Iglesias' case. And I, I think that in this case, he has been called by Luis Enrique because of his current form and dynamic, which might take him through straight through uh, the month of December. And Luis Enrique really favors players who are on a, on a hot streak uh, when back in the day he was taking Ferran Torres and placing him as the as the starter for the team, it was because Ferran was scoring very very easily left and right with both uh, Barca and also with the the national team. Right now, for example, Ferran is not the case. He's struggling at this point to to become important once again in Barca, and also he hasn't scored for the last I believe five games uh, under the the Spanish shirt, but. He will come around once again and he will become important. And for Borja Iglesias' case, I think it's 
all around a collective uh, prize for both the player and also Real Betis, uh, who have started the, the season very, very strongly in La Liga. And that's why Luis Enrique has been playing, paying close attention to what were what they were doing. Yeah, I mean, I finally just one very quick word on uh, Ansu Fati. Um, obviously, one of the brightest sparks, really, in this Spanish national side. But Luis Enrique has come out and said that he's not ready. Um, hmm. He's injury troubles. He's not played much this season. Would you agree with that decision from Luis Enrique? Yes, but at the same time, I think that he's possibly one of the players who shouldn't uh, worry about having a spot uh, in the final collapse sheet for the for the World Cup because Luis Enrique has plenty of faith in, in Ansu Fati and he might also, you know, enjoy this month, month and a half uh, he's going to have before the the actual tournament to to get 100% ready, 100% fit, playing for Barca, score a couple of goals, you know, become more confident. And I think that he's going to be like 99% in the, in the final list for the World Cup because He's an amazing player. He's been very important uh, in the past and in the present for, for Barca. And he's one of those uh, single individuals where Luis Enrique has plenty of faith in him. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Paco, for your insight. Very useful as always. Uh, we're going to take a quick break now, but we'll be back after the adverts to talk to Craig King and Zach Lowy about the upcoming opponents for this Luis Enrique squad. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the second part of this La Liga Lowdown International Podcast Special. 
where we've been looking ahead to the Spanish national side's two upcoming games in the Nations League. We've spoken about Spain, but now it's time to turn our attention to the opposition, and I'm delighted to be joined here by Craig King, otherwise known as @footballSwissEN on Twitter, a Swiss football expert who's going to help us preview Saturday's game against Switzerland in Saragossa. Craig, thanks so much for coming on. Um, I just wanted to start by asking you about the general mood around the Swiss national side at the moment. Uh, we all remember that famous penalty victory to knock France out of Euros last year. And since then, they've managed to qualify for the World Cup in Qatar. But how have they been faring in the Nations League so far? And what do you make of their overall performance under new manager Murat Yakin? Well, it's funny because that win against France, obviously, it was such a big thing for the nation and made waves across Europe. But a lot has changed since then. It's only been a year and a half. But Vladimir Petkovic left the team. Murat Yakin came in, who was very underwhelming appointment. I think when the shoes were that big to fill, I think people expected some a bigger name. But they went with someone who was managing in the Swiss second tier. So that <laughs> didn't go down well. He'd, he'd done well before with Basel and he'd won promotion with Thun in the early 2010s. But he'd had some disappointing spells and again, he was in the second tier for a reason at that point. So, underwhelming appointment. But he kind of proved the doubters wrong, including myself, with the qualifying campaign for the World Cup, unbeaten in a group containing Italy. Only conceded two goals, qualified automatically. We've seen how difficult those playoffs can be with Italy going out. So, that was a massive thing. So, overall, it's been mostly positive. Of course, the Nations League is kind of... It's not went well at all, really. They, they had the win against Portugal last time out, but there was a heavy defeat to Portugal away from home, defeat to Spain at home, uh, and then they had the defeat away to Czech Republic as well. So that's not went so well, but I also feel like there was a lot of factors at play there because you had almost four games in like 10 days or something like that. You had a lot of rotation. The, the last game against Portugal was probably the one where it was most likely the strongest team. Defensively, it was your best back four, and they played very well. There was some work. Of course, you get that against teams like Portugal, who are always going to be dangerous. But um, yeah, they really showed themselves to be back to their best at that point. So I don't really think there's anything to worry about. Obviously, this campaign could have gone better, but as I say, there's been factors of uh, the, the ten, the four games in ten days is was a big thing for a squad like that to, to manage. So. It's not too worrying. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think a lot of us will be quite used to, um, you know, seeing the white hair of Vladimir Petkovic in the Swiss dugout at these international tournaments. But as you say, it's a new era for the Swiss national side. And it'll be interesting to see if they can break this bit of a duck they seem to have against Spain, because obviously it was Luis Danica's men who eventually knocked Switzerland out of last year's Euros. They've also beaten them in the Nations League in June, as you said. And the last time Switzerland beat Spain was actually in 2010 in the World Cup. So, how important do you see this game for the Swiss? Do you see them causing any problems against a team that they seem to have quite a poor record against? Or do you think the final group game against the Czech Republic might well be the big decider? I think this game's important because Czech Republic have got Portugal at home, so you can't really rule out Czech Republic getting something there, even a win. They've crossed through with Spain uh, earlier on in the group, so... I think it's important for Switzerland to, to try and get something here, but again, the, the game against Czech Republic is probably going to be the decider if things go as you would expect them to go. The priority really is to try and avoid relegation. You don't want to to go back to go down into League B, which is something that Switzerland haven't done yet. They were kind of at risk uh, the last time, 
when they were facing a decider with Ukraine and they ended up being awarded the win because of uh, a postponement. So that's not something they, they want to happen. You don't want to be back down there in League B. I, I think winning the groups is still possible, but it's a very unrealistic scenario. I think there's a lot of things that, that need to happen there. So I, I think really what we're looking for from this game is a good performance. Over the, the last however many times we've played Spain, I feel like we didn't play them for a long time and then it's been almost every year, probably has been every year. But they've been tight games and the performances have been mostly quite good. Spain have just had that extra cutting edge of the quality, deserved to win the games. And you had a, a, a draw or two in there as well, I believe. But yeah, I think a good performance here is what most people are looking for. And then hopefully, if, if we lose, then the game against Czech Republic, hopefully they've also dropped points to Portugal and it makes that a decider because finishing above them is really important. As I say, you don't want to be down there and like be again. And you want to get the win over Czech Republic because it's going to be important for the, the seedings, for the qualifying, for the Euros next year as well. So it's a very, very important game. Yeah, it's very nicely set up. I mean, just looking through this squad, you know, there's obviously a few big names in there. We know that Granit Xhaka is in really good form for Arsenal. Uh, Jan Sommer as well has been unbelievable for Borussia Mönchengladbach recently. I think that's four clean sheets in his last five games. I think he made 19 saves against Bayern Munich. Manuel Akanji started very well at Manchester City as well. I was wondering if there were any other players that, you know, Spanish football fans should be keeping a close eye on. You know, we've been quite lucky with that kind of core squad of players for a long time, since maybe 2014. We've had guys like Shakiri and Jacka and Soma as constants. But now you're really getting the kind of new faces coming in that hopefully will take over from those guys soon enough. But Ruben Vargas, who plays in the Bundesliga, and you might remember him from missing that penalty in the Euro shootout, and he was in tears and had to be consoled and all that stuff. Um, he's going to be a really important player going forward. Uh, you've got guys like Mbo, who's well-known, but he's really picking up form again with Monaco. Uh, there's a, a few others in there that are coming into the team that Munich Yakin isn't bothered about throwing in at any point. We, we had Wayne Addis uh, Sergio, who came in against Portugal in that last game. And also Ardan Jashari and Dan Ndoy have been playing well domestically. They might not feature in this game, maybe as late subs, um, but they are also two names as well that will have a big future in the team. And another one would have been Noah Okafor, who he was actually replaced by Ardon Giacchetti because of injury. And he scored two goals in the Champions League against Chelsea there. And then matched one as well. And he was he would have been the guy spotlight really for this game. So it's disappointing he misses out, but he's one to watch in the future as well. So there's a lot of players in this team coming through that are going to have a big impact, I think, and eventually replace those players like Xhaka and Sommer and all these guys. But hopefully not for a while yet, because those guys are still producing. Fantastic. Really great insight there. Um, I was just wondering before we go, if you had any quick score predictions. Obviously, it's a difficult one, you know, hoping that the Swiss get a result here, but Spain need one too. Can you see them pulling off a bit of an upset? I don't think I've ever, when I've been asked a score prediction for Switzerland, I don't think I've ever got it. Right, but uh, I will say 2-1 to Spain. I think Switzerland are more than capable if they play to their best. To, I mean, it's a really hard game. I think they can score against anyone. They've shown in the past they can compete against anyone, including Spain, but I feel like Spain at home, great home record. And they've just had Switzerland's number as well. That game uh, that they won in Geneva a few months ago, that was Switzerland's first home defeat in a 
competitive game for a long time. I think since England won in 2016 or something like that. So it's been a while. So Spain really seemed to have Switzerland's number. So I can't see Spain not winning, but I think Switzerland will make it difficult. Fantastic. Thank you very much, Craig. A real pleasure to chat to you and uh, best of luck for tomorrow. Uh, remember, listeners, to drop Craig a follow on Twitter as well. That's at Football Swiss EN to keep up to date with all the great work that he does. And yeah, thanks very much for coming on. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. So moving on now to the sixth and final game of the group stage. And what a clash we have in store as Lucho's men take on Portugal in Portugal, potentially for a place in the Nations League finals. We were really pleased to talk to Zach Lowy earlier this week, a Portuguese football expert and co-creator of tactical analysis website Breaking the Lines. And we started off by asking him how important he saw this game from a confidence standpoint for Portugal, going into the World Cup in Qatar off the back of a few disappointing major tournaments. Yeah, I think that overall it's very important for Portugal. Um, They haven't been that convincing as of late. Obviously, they had a great start to life under Fernando Santos by winning The European Championships uh, were able to win the Nations League in 2019. But since then, yeah, it has not been, hasn't been that convincing. Um, They finished, they got knocked out in the round of 16 by Uruguay uh, in the World Cup. Uh, They were once again knocked out in the round of 16 to Belgium in the Euros. So yeah, I definitely think there are a lot of questions with regards to this Portugal side. They weren't even able to... Uh, qualify automatically for the World Cup. They had to uh, go through the playoff stage. So I definitely think that from a confidence standpoint, it's definitely going to be very important uh, these next few games uh, going into the World Cup. I think that Spain and Portugal, typically when you look at their their fixtures over the past few years, they, a lot of them have been close, uh, tightly knit draws. And uh, yeah, I'd probably expect something along those lines if they do face off against each other but yeah this is definitely going to be very important for Portugal uh, to gain rhythm and confidence. Yeah I mean I was going to ask you about Fernando Santos actually because he's going into his ninth year now as Portugal manager and he was facing a bit of criticism um, especially when they failed to qualify directly for the World Cup. Some people called his methods outdated um, is the situation, would you say, still similar or is there a bit of renewed optimism going into this World Cup? Yeah, well, I was actually I was actually there in Lisbon uh, when Portugal lost to Serbia. And um, and of course, that that forced them to finish second in the group and, and go through the playoff stage. I'm not sure if there is that much optimism. I mean, I think that there were definitely some encouraging signs uh, in the in 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 the games against like North Macedonia, you know the the knockout matches to get to the World Cup, but the fact is Portugal should not have even been in that situation to begin with. Um, so yeah, personally, I think that you, you look at the talent that Portugal has at its disposal. I think that it is um, on the same level as the top nations, be that England, Spain, Germany, Brazil, Argentina, but. With international football, I think that so much of it is where your team is on on the cycle. Because I think that every cycle comes to an end at some point. And so many of the biggest uh, failures for with, with national teams in recent years have been, in, in many ways, down to teams not knowing when to end the cycle. I think we saw that with, with Spain in 2014, with uh, Vicente del Bosque 
We saw that in 2018 with Germany with uh, Joachim Le, and you get the sense that maybe if they had just started the rebuilding process a little earlier, then you, you know you would have something. So I personally think that Portugal should have uh, moved on from Fernando Santos a while back. I don't believe that he's the right man to get the most out of the squad. But the fact is, um, he he has a contract until 2024, I believe, that was signed uh, in 2020. And so he's obviously bought himself a lot of leeway from that 2016 European Championships. But yeah, I can't say that for me, obviously I think that they have the quality, but I look at what, what I've seen in terms of performances from them, and I just don't put them on quite the same level as likes of Brazil or Argentina. Because I think that one, it's down to, to the manager, and two, just down to, you know, are these tactics what they need to get the most out of uh, the players? Yeah, fascinating. I mean, we'll, we'll have a quick look at that squad then. I mean, obviously, they've invited the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Bernardo Silva, João Felix, of course. But are there any other players who might be given an opportunity to shine in the Nations League? And is there anyone Spanish fans should be particularly looking out for? Yeah, I, I mean, I definitely hope so. One of my biggest criticisms of Fernando Santos has been he has uh, been kind of reticent to try some new players. But uh, looking at this squad, I think that there are a lot of interesting names. Uh, it should be noted that Otavio, who made his uh, Celestial debut uh, this year and was very important in Portugal qualifying for the World Cup, he will not be available due to injury, as well as Renato Sanchez, another player who's, who is arguably Portugal's best player in the Euros. Uh, both of them will be out. And and yeah, even even despite those two players missing out, Portugal, their midfield is really stacked. You've got the likes of Joao Paulinha, William Carvajal, uh, Ruben Neves, um, Bruno Fernandes. In fact, one one absence that I think is not getting as much attention as, as it should is Joao Moutinho, a player who's been very important for Portugal over the past decade. Um, and he, I, I was honestly expecting him to, to make this squad and to make the Qatar team because of how important he's been. But uh, yeah, he didn't make it. it. And that was due to the technical decision. And, and I think it's hard to argue with that when you look at how many how, how well these other players have been performing, whether that's Mateus Nunes, uh, Joao Mario getting a call-up after his fantastic start of the season for Benfica. So there's definitely a lot of quality there. I think that, um, I think that in terms of other players to keep an eye on, yeah, for, in terms of attack, um, one, one really big news that, that hit uh, Portugal is Rafa Silva was called up for, for the Portuguese national team and actually ended up dropping out and retiring from international football. Um, and he, Rafa Silva, kind of a winger who's playing more as a 10 this season under Roger Schmidt, he has been replaced by Gonzalo Ramos, who, when you look at Portugal's squad, he's really the only natural center forward that they have. Uh, yes, the likes of Cristiano Ronaldo, Joao Felix, Diogo Jota, they are capable of playing in a central role. But in terms of natural number nines, Gonzalo Ramos uh, is the only one there. So I'm really interested to see if Gonzalo does get any uh, minutes because he's having a fantastic start of the season for Benfica, who have won every single game so far. Um, he's just a real natural goal scorer who's, who's able to find uh, the back of net, get into these dangerous positions... Um, I really hope he does get some minutes. And apart from that, I mean, you have so many other uh, impressive attackers. Rafael Leal uh, just going up another level 
for AC Milan as of late becoming so important for them. Pedro Neto coming back after his uh, long-term injury. Really excited to see how he can make a mark. Um, and yeah, there are just so much. Like I said, I think that Portugal is up there with the best in terms of uh, individual talent. And yeah, I'm excited to see how they do. A massive thank you to Zach for coming on to the show and offering his thoughts there. And of course to Craig King and Paco Pollock for their expert analysis too. That's all for this week. I hope you've enjoyed the show. We'll be back with a reaction to those Nation League games next Monday with a brand new podcast. So make sure you follow La Liga Lowdown's Twitter at La Liga Lowdown. And also make sure to subscribe to our Substack, completely free of charge, where you'll receive fresh newsletters every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you again soon. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.